Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined tonight by my co-host, Matt Filipovitz. Matt, go Bears. Uh, Bill, I'm very excited we're doing this podcast uh, live during the Bears game, where they currently lead uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, it's a very exciting time for me, personally. Uh, yes, it is currently the second quarter, and the Bears are up 10-7. to 7. Uh, I will try to make a note to remind ourselves uh, to say what the score is when we end the podcast, because one of two things are going to happen. It's either still going to be 10 to 7 or it's going to be 28 to 10. Uh, zero in between on that. But Packers, Packers leading, of course. Yeah, yes, obviously. It's either going to be Chicago still by three or the Packers by 18 points. Uh, we're not here to talk about uh, the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears and all, all that jazz. Uh, oh, that, that, that was a reference to the play Chicago. Go Bill. Uh, we're here to talk about Penn State football because it's been a very – busy week in the world of Penn State football. A pair of really major things have happened in Happy Valley since our last edition of the podcast. Well, a a pair of really major things and a couple of things underneath that. Um, The primary one uh, on the offensive side of the football is that Sean Clifford announced he will be coming back uh, using his sixth and final year of eligibility for the Nittany Lions. on the other side of the football. Uh, the bigger thing is that Penn State has a new defensive coordinator after Brent Pry left for Virginia Tech. Manny Diaz, former head coach of the University of Miami, uh, former defensive coordinator at uh, a whole host of places, Middle Tennessee State, um, Mississippi State, Texas, Louisiana Tech, uh, Mississippi State again, and Miami before being the head football coach uh, at Miami the last couple of years is now being Penn State's defensive coordinator and kind of the. So what you're saying here, Bill, is the farthest north he has coached prior to this was Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Technically, <laughs> no, because oh, he was okay. he he was Temple's coach for like two weeks. Oh, oh, you're right. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Oh, that's such an easy joke I missed too. Oh, it's okay. It's, a, it's okay. It's okay. We, we don't believe in wins and losses. We believe in wins and lessons. Uh, and the other thing underneath that is that uh, there was a lot of talk of potential turmoil on Penn State's defensive staff uh, with co-defensive coordinator Anthony Poindexter leaving uh, his role as, again, co-defensive coordinator and safeties coach to become the head football coach at his alma mater. Virginia. Uh, that did not happen. He's going to be sticking around. Uh, that really big get, uh, big uh, retainer, I'd say, for Penn State football. But we're going to talk by, start by talking about the other side of the football. Sean Clifford announced on his Twitter account earlier this week, uh, announced on Friday afternoon, that Penn State is going uh, to have him as the starting quarterback for the fourth year in a row. And Matt, let's just start with the big, broad, overarching question about all of this, which is, do you think it is a good thing, a bad thing, a little bit of both, whatever, that Sean Clifford is going to be starting under center for Penn State next season? I think it's a little bit of both. I think change is is very important. I think it's a very healthy thing for any elite, high-level college football program to have. Uh, I'm not of the uh, belief that experience matters very much at quarterback. I know that's like a, not a very popular take, but if you just look around at, you know, t- guys who have led their team to the playoff, guys who have been Heisman finalists, like this year, Bryce Young, redshirt freshman, his first extended action. Like if there's a better dude, I always believe they should play. I think this sh- Clifford's decision here shores up a lot of things. I think it, it it answers a lot of questions. I think 
in all likelihood, there's going to be four, maybe even five. We'll see what Roberson does, but four scholarship quarterbacks in the room. So, uh, four, so four scholarship quarterbacks in the room. Yes, that's a win. No matter how you spin it, that is absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, no, no, no offense to Quan. No offense to Quan. Four scholarship quarterbacks in the room. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's probably probably the way that this is trending. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I like the idea of moving on. I think the team probably hit its ceiling under Clifford, and I hate to say it, but I think it was uh, the month of September of this year. Uh, but I, who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe 24-year-old Sean Clifford has a new gear that we just haven't seen yet. Um, but in terms of raising the – I think uh, – in. A lot less words. This raises the floor of the program. I don't know if it raises the ceiling of the program in 2022. And I'll kind of end it on my initial thoughts on that. I, I think that's fair. Uh, the, the one thing I'd push back against, and I, 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 I want to ask you this as an honest question, but just in response to one of the things you said, where if I don't disagree with this, if there is a better dude out there, you, have, you should let him play. Do you think Penn State's co- – I assume that Penn State's coaches went to Sean Clifford and said, we want you back. And there was a lot of talk about Penn State's coaches uh, potentially having to go out into the transfer portal, look around, see if they can get anyone in there because of the situ- how the scholarship situation breaks down the room, all that sort of thing. Do you think, considering those two bits of information, or what we assume in those two bits of information, that they asked Clifford to come back to whatever extent they did – and if he didn't come back, they were going to look to bring in someone else who has a little more experience. Doesn't that kind of suggest that Sean Clifford is the best guy that they could have next year? You can't really tell. I the, All the hypes are on Drew Aller. He's not going to be on campus for another month. Who knows what he brings to the table? Uh, I think if Clifford did leave, they would look in the portal right now. I think they would have to be very candid about uh, whatever that transfer would have been coming into. And I feel like that conversation is a lot easier to have with Sean Clifford. Uh, I think Clifford knows what his football career looks like post Penn State. Uh, so, again, you know, if you can stick around in college for six years and you know do it for free and now make a little money with NIL, I think every single person listening to this podcast would probably take that deal. That's a sweet deal to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of what it means for Penn State as a whole – and and what it would have meant for them bringing in a transfer, I think that I would agree with your general statement that they feel as of, what day is it, December 12th, 2021, that Sean Clifford is the best option they can see clearly in 2022. Yeah, and one thing that I'm taking a little bit of solace in, and I do understand the dynamics are going to be a bit different, is that if Sean Clifford can't get the job done, and we'll get into why I think I, I, I'm optimistic for him next season. They already have gone to Sean Clifford in the past in his Penn State career and said, listen, you're just not getting the job done. We're sitting you. And again, I know the dynamics are a little bit different with how old, how old he is, how much time he's going to be spending in the program, all these sorts of things. But. I don't think they're going to be afraid to be honest with Sean Clifford. I don't think he's a guy that they handle with baby gloves. And I think that's ultimately a good thing and why I I, I tend to err on the side of this is a good thing. I disagree with you about – I agree with you insofar as like if your options at quarterback are 
you know, you look at a school like Rutgers where it's Noah Vidral, it's Johnny Langan, it's that Gavin Wimsett kid that they brought in. Experience isn't necessarily a good thing as long as you're not like actively harming, uh, you, you know, you're not Christian Hackenberging or uh, David Carr in the NFL or any of those sorts of things, the guy you have on your center. But I think kind of lost in all of this is that Sean Clifford's a pretty good quarterback. Uh, I don't, I, I think back to the guy we saw up to the set, him going down against Iowa. And that was a guy that I think Penn State could have gone places with. Win a national championship, I don't know about that. But once he goes down against Iowa, every just the entire dynamic of the season change. And despite that, Clifford completed 62.4% of his passes for 2,912 yards, 7.4 yards per attempt, 20 touchdowns, six interceptions, uh, added a pair of scores on the run. The QB run, I think, was the big thing that kind of uh, got taken out of his game after he got hurt. I read you that stuff to read you this. I'm going to read off some numbers for you, Matt, okay? Hit me with them. 58.1% completion, 1,969 yards, 6.4 yards per attempt, 12 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. 61.6, 3,098, 6.6, 13, 9. 61.1, 2,408, 7.3, 13, 9. What are those numbers? Um... They're not Cliff's numbers because he would have thrown for more than that his first year. It's crazy that we can go that far back. Um, they're not. They're not Hacks numbers. I don't know what are, is that the average for like a Big Ten quarterback this year? No, those are too low. Over the past three years, I have no idea. Imagine you're standing on campus for a minute. Okay, what's ninety minutes okay. east? What's ninety minutes west of you? Not ninety uh, minutes. What's two hours west of you? Um. Uh, probably Eaton Park, uh, but more specifically, the Steelers. The Steelers. What else is in that city? Oh, Kenny Pickett. Those are Kenny Pickett's numbers. The first couple, his first three years as a starter at Pittsburgh. And, of course, Kenny Pickett this year ended up uh, coming in third, I believe, in the Heisman, 67.2%, 4,319 yards, 8.7 yards per attempt, 42 touchdowns, seven interceptions. I'm not saying that that's what Sean Clifford is going to do next year because I think – you know, if Sean Clifford does that next year, Penn State's competing for a national championship. Like, I, I, I would like it if he did that. I'm, I have my pessimism that he is able to do that. But one thing that really helped Kenny Pickett, helped him get to that point, was by the time he got to this season, he had seen everything. He had experienced everything, both on the field and in Pitt's system. And when you put that together with – just that he was a naturally talented guy uh, with an offense that was built to his specific skill set, all those sorts of things, he was able to put up big numbers. And I say that to say this. Next season is going to be the third time under James Franklin that Penn State has had the same quarterback and offensive coordinator in back-to-back seasons. John Donovan and Christian Hackenberg, Joe Moorhead and Trace McSorley, and now Sean Clifford and Ricky Ronnie. And that's the experience that I care about. I care about the experience where you're not just there and you're not just absorbing bits of information that's changing rapidly all the time. Outside of the fact that Jahan Dotson's going to be gone, this is going to be fundamentally the same offense we saw 
this year, except hopefully with better offensive line play. And if Matt, I think if you're plugging Sean Clifford into that offense and you're giving him more time to throw and you're able to keep him upright and healthy, which of course is a big question mark, he has the potential to do some really, really special things because he has seen everything and has a total understanding of everything that happens on the football field. Right. Clifford isn't the thing that's going to hold this offense back anymore. And, and I think that's a really good point you, you just kind of inadvertently made. Clifford coming back means what's your only question now oh, for this? Yeah, exactly. You now have nine months to figure it out. You have nine months and dudes who are ready, who will be back and healthy and dudes who frankly should be ready. And you probably have portal space like that. That is what the next nine months has to be revolving around is finding who plays well where. That is your obsession now. Sean Clifford will take you as far as he is able to take you. I think that realistically is a – we've seen him do a 10-win season. I think it could be an 11-win season. I don't think that's too far of a stretch. Uh, who knows what that gets you. But the offensive line has to be the thing that gets him over that hump to make sure Penn State can reach their potential. So that's that's one thing I really like about this and the fact that the biggest question mark uh, now is eliminated from the offseason on the offensive side of the football, uh, which is very exciting. And, and also I think he's going to be very valuable – uh, in helping Veyer, Veyu, however you pronounce it, uh, Aller and Previula uh, throughout the next couple months. I think that's also very important. So overall, net positive. Um, I, I really hope that this – He, I really hope he gets to play. I mean, you never want to see a guy, you know, come back and not get to play. But if this morphs into very quickly a, a glorified student assistant role, I don't think it will. But, you know, that's always on the table. Uh, I would not be that upset because that means the, the five-star is playing like a five-star. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Nick isn't on this podcast, but it's a, it's a comparison he's made over the years on this podcast. Uh, Russell Wilson, Matt Flynn, when Russell Wilson became the starting quarterback uh, from the jump for the Seattle Seahawks, the famous Pete Carroll line was Matt Flynn did nothing to lose this job. Russell Wilson just took it from him. And I'm confident that if Drew Auer were to take this job from Sean Clifford, which I'm, I'm going to go out and say that's not going to happen, that's more going to be what it is than anything else. Uh, really, the, the, the only downside to me, well, basically two downsides. One, if the Clifford that we saw the last, last couple of weeks of the season, which that, that is a bit unfair because, like, he was fine. He, he was solid against Ohio State. He was good against Maryland generally, fine against Michigan, fine against Michigan, pretty solid against Michigan State. But if it's the Sean Clifford who has had lulls over the course of his Penn State career, and that's just the guy who he's going to be, that's not a good thing. I think if you're bringing Sean Clifford back, it has to be because he is raising the ceiling on your program, and I think he generally will. And then you know, I alluded to it where I said, I don't think this is going to happen. But if the coaching staff, you know, isn't able to be direct and honest with him, if he's not getting the job. But I, I'm, I'm not too concerned about that. Uh, but what makes this interesting, Matt, is we were looking at Penn State's quarterback room heading into next year. And we're, we'll throw, throw out a grad transfer for a second. We'll assume Taquan Roberson's leaving. And we'll say if Sean Clifford did leave, three guys are going to be competing for Penn State's starting quarterback job. It was going to be... Number one, uh, the only guy who is on the roster who, other than uh, Taquan Roberson, has thrown a pass, that was Christian Bayou, uh, played one game against Rutgers, 15 for 24, 235 yards, 62.5% completion, three touchdowns, no interceptions in his only uh, 
in his own week college season so far. Uh, and then a five-star in Drew Aller, a four-star in Bo Pamela. I think even with the raw talent in that room, I would have been really excited. Just because of the raw talent in the room, I would have been really excited. But I still would have been very concerned about those being the guys heading into next season. What do you think Clifford coming back means for that trio of dudes? Whether that means at Penn State, whether that means elsewhere, whether that means next season long-term, whatever that might be. Uh, I don't think anyone's going anywhere as a result of this. Um, I mean, Veyu is still, this is what, his second actual season uh, yeah. where he's played actual football in America? Because uh, he had his junior year in, in Maryland, senior year canceled, and then this year, right? So he yeah. still has a lot to learn. He's not going anywhere. Uh, Previla is a Penn State kid. He's not going anywhere. Aller seems pretty locked in, and I think Aller, Aller gets it. I think he understands why the staff did this. I think he understands that stability is the most valuable thing in a college football program, uh, even if it's, it's not the most exciting thing. Um, so I don't think it really means that much for them. I think it means they get a senior veteran leader in that room who could coach them up uh, and make sure they're ready to take the reins. Uh, you know, Cliff has been benched before. He didn't shy away from it prior. I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, who, again, I don't know how good Aller is going to be or, you know, what Bayou or Pribula do. But it sounds like Clifford wants to leave Penn State in a very, very good position when he's gone. Uh, and I think coming back for a sixth year, again, raises that floor and gives three very young, talented quarterbacks a person they can go to who's not the coach. And I think that's very important. I think that helps a lot of people out. So overall, I think it, it raises the program up uh, a little bit. Um, but I think his biggest contributions long term to the program are going to be for what he's doing off the field for this next generation of Penn State quarterbacks. Yeah, I want to read a quote that Drew Aller gave uh, the fine folks over at Lions 24-7 on their podcast. He was asked uh, what he'd gain from another year of Sean Clifford at Penn State. And he said, and I quote, I think what I'd gain the most is just how he prepares throughout the week for game days. Just how hard he works throughout the week and how he prepares mentally. I think it would be a great thing to learn from him just because of how much experience he's had these past three years as a starting quarterback at Penn State. And I think he's a great quarterback and I've really liked talking to him when I've had the chance to talk to him off the field a couple times. I'm just wishing the best for him because I think he's a great guy and he's obviously a great football player too. I don't think that sounds like a guy who is, this was before Clifford announced he was coming back. I don't know if our knew the, what was coming one way or the other. That doesn't sound like a guy who is going to be particularly bummed out about whether or not Sean Clifford is coming back for another season. Like I, I hate to focus this conversation on our uh, but I think you did kind of hit the nail on the head with Bayou and Prabhu. Bayou uh, is still learning, and I, we saw in his limited time playing that he has physical tools that can make him an appealing quarterback, whether that's Penn State, whether that's elsewhere. Like I, He definitely doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's going to roll over and just give a job to Drew Auer uh, and Bo Prabhu. Like you mentioned, that's a Penn State kid through and through. But Auer's the guy that we've been talking about for however long, and him being the guy who's going to step in someday and take over for Penn State, I think that the biggest way this is a good thing is you're not throwing one of them to the wolves. I mean, I'm not saying anything anybody doesn't know, but Penn State season next year uh, at Purdue, at Auburn, Ohio State, at Michigan, Illinois, and then a bye. Uh, there are games against Ohio and Central Michigan in there that I'm, you know, I'm just kind of throwing those away because Penn State should win those no matter what. But Fire, those, fire up chips. 
fire up chips. But those are one, two, three, five games that Penn State could theoretically lose next year. Like, I think that Purdue is not going to be as good as they were this year. Uh, Auburn is Auburn, uh, but that also means going on the road to Auburn. And then Ohio State at Michigan and against the Illinois team uh, that dragged them to hell this year. Like, I think that it's inherently a good thing that you get that one, two, three, four, five, that seven game sample size with Sean Clifford as quarterback in Mike Yurcich's offense for a second year. And then, okay. You get your bye week, the way the season wraps up, Michigan State at Indiana, Maryland, Minnesota at Rutgers. If you decide, based on what you've seen so far, based on the results of games, that Sean Clifford isn't the guy, that he's not going to be able to get the job done, all those sorts of things, you can start. I don't want to say you just sit him right away and you give one of those other three guys all those snaps. You could start getting those other guys incorporated in the offense a little bit more and see what they do in those sorts of situations, not to punt on that second half of the season per se, but to say, okay, listen, we're a three or four loss team. If that is the case, let's start to build while simultaneously giving Sean the best possible sign of we can have. And if Penn State gets into that buy and they have one loss or they, you know, I'll put the upper band on two losses in there one loss in Big Ten play, Penn State's still going to be competing for a Big Ten championship, and you're not benching Sean Clifford, even if that is the case. So, like, I think it's inherently a good thing. I never like throwing a guy to the – I know experience is the best teacher. I know that, like, that's kind of the adage here. But I don't always agree with that, uh, especially if Penn State's offensive line has the issues that Penn State's offensive line and Penn State's running game has had the issues that Penn State's running game had this year. You need to be able – to have a guy who knows how to win and and do positive things in spite of that. And I just think Sean Clifford gives them that in a way that our Prabula and Veyu won't necessarily give them from the jump, Matt. Yeah, I don't disagree. One thing, I real quick, that I just want to touch on before we – I think Go I'm going to shift gears here pretty soon. I will say, of the quarterback recruits – in the same stratosphere as Aller. So I'm talking like your Trevor Lawrence's, your Caleb, your Caleb Williams, your Tua's. I don't know if maybe because the pressure was off of them, but they shined brightest after they took over for an incumbent starter you could not imagine benching. Like Kelly Bryant lost a job to Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence performed better. I don't know if you know the pressure was off because it wasn't the five stars going to come in and he has to be ready right away. He could learn. Uh, Caleb Williams came in and performed better than Spencer Rattler. Um, that is something that I think Aller can do something similar to. Tua came in and took over for Jalen Hurts because he was just better, but he got to learn for a little bit before that. So I'm curious if Penn State has their own version of that in what we're going to yeah. see here in 2022. So just something that popped into my head a few a few days ago that I've been kind of stewing on for a while. I wonder if there's any correlation to the pressure coming off of these five-star kids because there's that incumbent starter and then them just being able to focus on getting better at football uh, before taking over the keys to the car relatively young into their college careers. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't hate any of that, obviously. Again, I, if one of the guys is going to take the job from Sean Clifford uh, more than Sean Clifford loses it to one of those guys, like that, that's just inherently 
a, a good thing for Penn State's football team. Uh, last question here before we move to talking Manny Diaz. What do you think this means for Penn State's offense next year? Just the Penn, Penn State's general team expectations next year? Because we've talked a lot about this being a good thing. Is this a good thing in that it's just another thing that kind of gets tossed into this? Is this a good thing in that it takes Penn State from a seven or eight win team to a double digit win team? Is it a good thing in that it takes Penn State from, uh, a, you know, flirting with double digits to flirting with the Big Ten championship in the play? Like where, what do you think this changes uh, with Sean Clifford being back uh, in Happy Valley? Oh, man. I, I honestly don't know because there's going to be so many moving parts in the next few days. Um, again, I think it raises the team's floor ceiling. I have no idea. I don't think it raises the ceiling very much. Uh, but coming off of, of two under underperforming years or underwhelming years, you just want to get you know your feet back under you in 2022. And if you know you get to 10 wins, I think that should still be the expectation for a program like Penn State every year. Uh, but I understand that 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 you know. No two years are the same. It, it's not a perfect system. So I think the offense is going to be in a better spot. I'm curious to see what consistency looks like in Yurcich's offense. You know, having that kind of continuity. Uh, it looks like the entire offensive staff is going to remain intact. I think that's very important. You know, you lose Jahan, but Parker's ready. Kendra Lambert-Smith are ready. Hopefully, you know, a third guy emerges. And the line's got to get better. But I think we'll see an improvement on what we saw in 2021. Uh, am, am I thinking like Mason Rudolph, Big 12, I'm going to go throw for 500 yards a game level stuff? Probably not. Uh, but, you know, I'll take I'll take better than what we saw at the team's peak. I think the team's peak should be the expectation. Uh, the offense's peak and Clifford's peak specifically in 2021 should be the expectation is what I'm looking for. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going back to uh, a thing that I think Penn State fans have said you know, dozens and dozens of times, but I, if the Sean, if the Sean Clifford who walked into Kinnick uh, and had that offense humming is on the field, even with a pair of picks, like, you know, that's a good offense. I mean, 28 for 32, 280 yards, two touchdowns and a pick against Auburn. Like that was some good offense that we saw out of Penn state. I, it is ultimately going to come down to what happens on the offensive line. That's going to be like, that's the thing. If, you can't give Penn State's passing game any semblance of relief with a running game. This conversation is all kind of for naught, just because, like, I don't think Penn State's going, I don't think James Franklin, I don't think Mike Yurcich are going to say, all right, what we need is Sean throwing it 50 times a game. We what we need is Sean going full-blown air raid. And I don't think that's going to happen. But I think if that doesn't happen, at least you have someone who, like, understands how to play with those restrictions on your football team. Uh, they're not ideal restrictions by any stretch of the imagination, but it, they're not something that is impossible. So, uh, yeah, I'm – I. I'm, I'm excited. I think that this is ultimately going to be a good thing for Penn State, and uh, we'll we'll talk more. I think the point that you made, Matt, about uh, the point that you made uh, about how we're going to have to see how things shake out with the transfer portal, players coming in, going out, all those sorts of things, is going to be really important. If they can find, uh, if they could find a number one receiver, uh, you know, a guy who can go out there and be that kind of 
consistent big play physical monster type, you know, assuming Malik Mega doesn't turn into that. I think this passing game, the sky could be the limit for it. Uh, that might not. Might, that might be fair. It, it should be a very, very good passing game. And if they can figure out how to open up holes for a running back to run through and have a guy who is capable of making magic happen, then yeah, this this offense has the potential to really get humming. So all that because Sean Clifford's back. Other side of the football, big thing, Manny Diaz coming from uh, the University of Miami where he got uh, – I, I think the only way to put it is done dirty uh, by Miami so they could bring Mario Cristobal in uh, to uh, in to take over the Hurricanes job, try and bring the U back, blah, 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 blah. Matt, Manny Diaz, do you like the hire? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. It's not what I expected. I really thought Jim Knowles was going to be the guy, uh, but Ohio State dropped a bigger bag. Such is life in college. Yeah, such is life in college football. Uh, I wouldn't mind Elijah Robinson. I, I like the idea of giving young guys a shot. Uh, I think Er is a very talented coach who is going to be a DC sooner rather than later. Uh, I think it would have been cool for Penn State to be that first opportunity. Um, but also, I'm intrigued by the idea of a uh, not really a, a reclamation project, but if you look at what Manny Diaz did as a coordinator, he's a damn good one. Uh, I think he got really done dirty by Miami. I think that's a, the, the best way to put it. Um, and Alabama, it feels like, is a program that you know takes in these coaches who have stumbled uh, in early jobs or in maybe their first head coaching gig. And, and they come in and they rebuild and they learn and they get better and they go back to be head coaches. I don't know if Penn State is going to become an Alabama, you know, factory like that but Manny Diaz can maybe start a pipeline where that's an option for coaches so overall I like the way he plays defense uh Pry was very bend don't break um which I think put a lot of pressure on the offense over the years it was a great style of defense listen they didn't give up a lot of points you know they they, they came up with big plays more often than not but Manny Diaz is going to try to create turnovers he's going to try what he can to not only get stops, but it seems like his defense has set up his offense for success. And that's a very exciting opportunity for Penn State. It's something I'm very excited to see. Uh, I'm very curious to see, you know, what Brandon Smith does, what Curtis Jacob does, you know, what what those, not that Curtis Jacobs can go pro yet, but still how they use him uh, and how they can fit and what Diaz wants to do. So overall, I think it's a really, really smart hire. It feels like a hire that's, you know, has a hard out after three years max. Uh, and, and that's just the nature of college football right now. But as far as experienced guys go, I think Diaz is, is near the top of guys I would have liked Penn State to have landed. I, I, my entire thing was I just did not fathom Penn State landing Manny Diaz. Uh, if I could be candid, uh, you are like me in that the scuttlebutt around Diaz started a couple of days before uh, he ended up getting hired and Penn State ended up bringing him on board. Uh, once he uh, once he became available, I figured that he was going to land on a defensive staff potentially as a coordinator uh, somewhere. I just wasn't sure what that somewhere was going to be, and I think Penn State ended up getting a pretty good one. I like it, it's interesting because I think it's really hard uh, to use stats that uh, happened this year at Miami just because he was head coach and not the coordinator, but a pretty 
noticeable thing as I was looking through stats about Manny Diaz's team this past year. Miami had 33 sacks on the year, which is 35th in the country. Penn State was tied for 87th in sacks with 22 nationally. And we'll get into some of that in a second. Uh, when it came into uh, turnovers gain, Penn State was uh, better nationally uh, than Miami. They had uh, 19. Miami uh, forgot to jot this down, so I apologize. They were actually quite far down uh in the country, they weren't particularly good at that element of defense. Uh, they uh, hold an 11. But when you look at the talent that has come in recruiting-wise at Miami over the last couple of years, they've been recruiting at a solid level. They haven't really been recruiting at that outstanding level uh, since Manny Diaz took over his first recruiting class, the 2019 class. Uh, he took over after Mark Rick retired. Uh his first recruiting class was 27th nationally, fourth in the ACC. Uh, year after that, tw- 17th nationally, third in the ACC. This past year, 11th nationally, second in the ACC. There was some talent. There wasn't a ton of talent coming through. And I think what he's going to get in Penn State is a defense that has consistently recruited very well, that knows how to win in the transfer portal, and has a whole heck of a lot of talent. Even if it loses a couple guys, we know Jaquan Brister is going to be gone. We know Ellis Brooks is going to be gone. We know uh, Arnold Ebiketti is going to be gone. Even if they lose, you know, let's say, oh, we know through Castro Fields is going to be gone. Let's say they lose one of Brandon Smith or they lose one of Jair Brown. There's still going to be a lot of four and five star talent on this defense. And that's what I'm most excited about uh, when we get into how they play. Uh, Matt, in what you've read and what you've seen, all those sorts of things about Miami's defense uh, and Manny Diaz's defensive philosophy, what makes you excited about this hire? And Big plays. What, Big, I was going to say, what makes sorry. you excited about this hire and where are some ways where you think the defense is going to be a little bit different compared to what Brent Pry was running out there? Uh, big plays. Big plays, big plays, big plays. Explosive plays uh, on the defensive side of the football. Listen, Penn State, again, it's been bend, don't break for a very long time. And again, that's that's fine. That's that's all, you know, fun and well. But it's not the most fun brand of football to play. And I don't think it's the most effective uh, in terms of setting up your offense for success. And the last year Diaz was a coordinator, I believe, was 2018. Or is that correct? Because he was the head, Miami head coach in 19, 20, 21. Yes. Yes. His, so uh, so uh, from 2016 to 2018, he was the defensive coordinator and linebackers coach uh, at the University of Miami. Uh, there's some stuff in there that I, I'll mention. But, yeah, go ahead. How many interceptions do you think Miami had that year? You're going to be stunned. His final year? Yeah, as defensive coordinator, yes. I'll say 20. Interceptions? Yeah. They had 17 interceptions and, and recovered 14 fumbles. Yeah. And they – so that totals up to 31 turnovers gained. That's ridiculous. That's more than two a game in a 13-game season with the bowl game. That's absolutely – I can't imagine – what that does for an offense because we've never seen it like don't get me wrong this Penn State defense can generate turnovers but to do it at that rate is something that I don't think we've ever seen Pry or Shoop ever really do in Franklin's tenure so I'm very curious to see what that looks like 
on a week-to-week basis and how it's going to work in the Big Ten, where, let's be honest, a lot of the guys on your schedule want to run it down your throat. So I'm curious as to how he's going to try to force those turnovers in a different kind of conference. So there's a lot of things I'm really intrigued by with Diaz, but it's hard for me really to know what he's going to do until I see it week one on the field, because I don't know if you can play the same style of football in the nice, warm, pass-friendly weather of Coral Gables, Florida, that you can do in, like, East Lansing. So I think it's exciting, but I think things are going to have to change just by nature of where he's coaching now, and I'm excited to see what that looks like and what this next iteration of a Manny Diaz defense looks like. Yeah, I, I you, you mentioned his 2016 uh, unit, 20th nationally in total defense, 9th in yards per play, 12th in scoring defense, 5th in tackles for loss, 22nd in team sacks, 8th in defensive touchdowns allowed. Uh, I want to shout out something that Thomas Frank Carr uh, over at BWI did on the BWI Daily Edition. He had some uh, experience with Miami uh during his time, cover, you know, he did some work with that team, uh, covering that team, that sort of thing. And I, I'm, I'm going to be cribbing a decent amount of things uh, from him uh, just because he raised a lot of good points in the BWI Daily video that he did. I'll, I'll make a note to try and remember to put that in the show description. Uh, but I think the inherent difference between Manny Diaz and Brent Pry, like you mentioned, is that I think back to something that uh, – Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler said in the Ohio State game, during the Ohio State game, which was Ohio State completed a pass to Garrett Wilson and immediately three or four Penn State players tackled him. And they said, I think it was Herbie who said this, Penn State is fine with that because they know they're going to tackle him before he gets anything going. And there, are, like you mentioned, there are lots of merits to that sort of an approach. Penn State had a very good defensive showing against Ohio State, all things considered. But I think the difference is under Brent Pry, Penn State's defense was happy to let you have that. I don't think that Manny Diaz's defense wants you to be able to throw that pass. And that's the inherent deep, the, the inherent difference between the two of them. I mean, one thing that has been mentioned plenty of times, Manny Diaz is the guy who came up with the turnover chain. Like, Manny Diaz wants to have more of those havoc plays, more of those plays where you force mistakes and turn that into something. And, you know, I, I, I don't think he's going to bring the turnover chain to Penn State. I'm sure there are trademarks uh, out there. Listen, he should. He Listen, Manny Diaz understands. He thinks like me. College football is a TV show, first and foremost, to a lot of people. And he makes for fun TV. And I hope he does something cool like that. Oh, I'm sure he's going to come up with something. Uh, But I think, you know, kind of back to the original point, not since that year with Carl Nassib, Anthony Zettel, and Austin Johnson along Penn State's defensive line, we see Penn State's defensive line really go, all right, we're going to pin our ears back and we're coming. We're going to come after you and make life difficult on your quarterback. A lot of what Penn State's defensive line tries to do in pass rush is – it's a lot of stuff where the defensive ends aren't necessarily pinning their ears back. Defensive tackles aren't necessarily pinning their ears back. They're trying to keep the quarterback in the pocket and make him uncomfortable. There's that element of contain to it. And I just don't think Manny Diaz is going to want that. I think he's going to want to say to his defensive ends, get home, take that guy down. 
muck this offense up to whatever extent you can. I think they're going to play a lot more man-to-man in the back end of their defense. Again, you go through and you watch Miami. They like having their corners man dudes up. And I think that there are going to be times with Manny Diaz where they are going, the defense is going to allow more big plays. Or I think the defense is going to allow more big plays. This is the interesting thing about this dynamic, Matt, is that I, I'm interested in what happens if Manny Diaz walks into James Franklin's offense and says, yeah, we're going to allow more big plays, but we are going to create more big plays just because James Franklin puts such an emphasis on winning the big play battle every game. So I, I'm interested in that now that like we're talking through it, but I think that's just ultimately the big thing for me. I want to watch Penn State's defense be physical fast, nasty, and aggressive because that's the level of talent that exists on this defense, Matt. And with Manny Diaz in tow, I don't know I don't know if they're going to like be the, be George's defense from this year. I don't know if it's going to carry them to a Big Ten title or anything. But I think we're just going to see a Penn State defense that has a little more nasty to them next year. And that's exactly what I think Penn State needs after – Oh, it's it's hard for me to talk about this because the defense was so good. Right. That, that's the, that's like, the tough thing at all. That, this, that's right? like the line I'm walking here is the fact that like Brent Pry did nothing wrong. Brent Pry more than earned the Virginia Tech coaching job. Like for your first head coaching job to be a very, very, very good job at Virginia Tech, you did a lot of good things. But I'm just again, I, I think change is very healthy and very good for a college football program. And I think that may be why I'm so excited. And the fact that I think I've already I know what Penn State is and can be under Pry, but I don't know what it is under Manny Diaz. And I think it's going to be very new and different, which is, I think, what makes me so excited. Yeah, and it'll, again, it's going to be tested right from the jump next year uh, with some of the teams that Penn State has on its schedule. But I, I, I'm, I, I think this was a very interesting, and, and candidly, I think it's a pretty unconventional hire from James Franklin because, like, you think about what you expect out of a James Franklin hire. I wasn't necessarily expecting him to go with that kind of like the thing with Jim Knowles is he's such a good coordinator that I think you had to bring him on board. But I think Franklin is the kind of guy who values your fit. So fit in the entire ecosystem so much that like he might not go for necessarily the big name, but he straight up said uh, in the in his press release, let me see if I could find it. Uh, I no, he didn't say it in his press release, but it is a thing that James Franklin has said. He went out and got a head coach for the defense. He went out and got a head coach for Penn State's defense. And as long as Manny Diaz, as the head coach of the defense, gets to do this defense in his image, I'm excited. Sorry, my I forgot to hit the uh, unmute button there for a second. Yeah, I think ha- I think having a guy with head coaching experience be the person to run the side of the ball was very successful for Penn State when they did it last time with Joe Moorhead. I think Moorhead 
ran the offense like he was the head coach of a different team than Penn State. He was the head coach of the Penn State offense. And that sounds repetitive, but I truly think that is a great way for coaches like that who have head coaching experiences to handle coordinator duties. Like if your entire, entire, entire focus was on the entire team for so long, when you bring it in and you get more hyper-focused or very... I guess much more specific, very much more specific, great English there. But I think that slows things down and lets you be a lot better at your job. And I'm very curious to see what Diaz does to push the guys in that defensive room to be the best version of themselves. Because I think what Diaz is going to see is going to be very different than what Brent Pry has seen. Just because I think Diaz brings such a unique point of view that we haven't seen out of a Penn State defense. And in maybe ever, I honestly don't know if a Penn State defensive coordinator has ever been uh, or has prior FBS head coaching experience. I honestly don't think that's ever been the case. And, and that's really cool. And I think that's going to be, that's going to create a lot of very unique and fun, opportunities for a lot of guys next year well it, uh, that it has happened ron vanderlinden was the head football coach at maryland uh before he uh became penn state's before he became penn state's linebackers coach and uh co-defensive coordinator so uh they do have a guy with a little they have had that kind of guy with that kind of experience but manny diaz is you know a bit of a different story uh, i also want to give uh manny diaz a shout out for uh getting the cheap pop with his uh, quote in his release where he said, Penn State's fans are the best in the country, and I look forward to seeing them this fall in Beaver Stadium. Uh, let me just make sure he hasn't. Oh, uh, he was real. I will give him this. He was very quick with getting the new pictures up on his various Twitter and Instagram accounts. Like, th- that's a man who understands his stuff, and I, I, I want to give Manny Diaz a, a quick shout out for that. Uh, turnover chain ideas. Do you, Is there anything that you would. Uh, like to see him take and do here? Uh, I think it'd be very cool if they made a replica of old Coley, and if you get a turnover, <laughs> you get to sit on it. I think that'd be really cool. I don't know. Uh, if anybody from Penn State Marketing... One time I pitched an idea for uh, for a Chambers... Uh, I didn't pitch it, I tweeted about it. For a Chambers of Secrets, which was basically uh, a, a box behind the student section or behind the basket at a Penn State basketball game, and then somebody from marketing... Uh, saw it and they actually made it. So if I want to go two for two, let's do the turnover old Coley where you get to sit on uh, a skeleton of a horse after you, I don't know, pick off like J.J. McCarthy, whoever from Michigan's quarterback is going to be. I, I, I would like a – I was just thinking a straight-up turnover, uh, you know, just the chipmunk logo. Uh, but I I, I, I I do like that idea. Uh, anything else in the in, in the Penn State universe – that you would like to talk about here, Matt? Uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm actually, I am pretty bummed. Anthony Poindexter did not get the Virginia job, not because I don't want him back, but because that would have been a very cool story. I mean, he's a UVA legend. Uh, you know, a bummer things didn't work out, but just wasn't in the cards at this time. And that, and that's a big benefit for Penn state. Um, so, you know, good for Dex. It, it, it's got to be cool to just be in the conversation, you know, bummed it didn't work out, but very thrilled. He's coming back for another round with Penn state. That's very cool. Yeah. I mean, it, 
it was looking for a while like there might be a whole heck of a lot of turnover among Penn State's defensive staff between Brent Pry leaving. You know, was he going to bring anyone with him or any of the head coaching or defense coordinator jobs in the country going to be appealing to anyone? But at the end of the day, it does seem like Penn State's going to be bringing back, you know, it doesn't seem like anyone is going to be forced out of their positions by way of James Franklin going thank you and goodbye. Um, but they, you know, having said that, maybe something changes, but it looks like Penn State's going to be mostly running it back next season with a brand new defensive coordinator or linebacker coach. So I think that's cool. And I, you know, I, while I, I agree with your point, like, I think Anthony Poindexter is good at his job. So I'm, uh, I'm from that perspective, uh, especially if Jair Brown does end up coming back, I'm, I'm very excited to see uh, what the safety play looks like in Happy Valley uh, next year. Uh, yeah, that's it for this edition of the pod. Be on the lookout. Uh, we're co- it's right around the corner. The early signing period starts next week. We will be, um, we will be doing plenty of stuff with that. We have some really fun stuff up our sleeves, uh, that I think y'all are going to enjoy. Uh, Matt, would you like to update the people on the score of the Bears game? Uh, yeah, let me pull it up. Um, give me a second. It is currently 27-21 at the half. Uh, the Bears had a punt return for like 97 yards. Uh, so anytime Matt Nagy doesn't have to call an offensive play, that's a that's a win for everybody. Uh, so get your points any way you can. Um, this it was is a very a, it funny... was it was the first punt return for a touchdown in the NFL this season. Yeah, and that's probably a good thing because uh, more fair catches are way safer for the game of football. So not nearly as exciting, but in terms of players' health. Uh, that's probably a good thing that there's only been uh, one actually uh, big play to make those look a little bit less appealing, which was the intent, uh, I think, all along. So, hey, go Bears. I hope they win. Uh, but also, I kind of hope they don't because I want Ryan Day to get the Bears job. So That that, that would be funny. Uh, yeah, I think that's it for this edition of the podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Make sure uh, you subscribe wherever you go and get your podcast. Use Apple Podcasts. Please go and leave us a five-star review. Keep reading and supporting the site. Best way to do that is to make sure you're going out and buying some t-shirts and make sure you follow us on all of our various social media channels. One last time, thank you very much for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. For Matt Filipovitz, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone. I can't wait for the playoff to watch Jim Harbaugh just get absolutely demolished on a national scale. <laughs>